Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Premier League preview. Can't call it the Premier League preview, otherwise we'd get done. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture Football, joined by Adam Cleary from What Culture Football to look ahead to all of this weekend's Premier League action. Adam Cleary, it's been a while since we've done one of these. Uh, I mean, simultaneously, time has both stopped and radically accelerated. It's been, what, 104, 103, 102 days now since Premier League football was like fully in our lives. Those two games we got during the week were a weird but welcome return to what we now know is the most important, least important thing in the entire world. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm apprehensive about it because a lot of the, a lot of the great football enjoying experience is still denied to us. Obviously, we can't go to these games, we can't socialize around these games, but football is still back. So, until I've experienced it fully over the weekend and decided, no, this is weird, I don't like it, I'm going to be positive and excited about it. Exactly. Uh, nine Premier League games over the next three days. Uh, we will get to Spurs and Man United tonight in due course. But I suppose the big game we have to talk about over the weekend is, of course, the Merseyside derby. Everton hosting Liverpool. Of course, no chance of Liverpool winning the title on Sunday, but they can win it without a ball being kicked, as the old phrase goes, if Burnley get a result against Manchester City. If not, then then Liverpool could win the title against Crystal Palace on Wednesday. When do you see Liverpool being crowned champions? And will it piss off Liverpool fans that there's always going to be a kind of asterisk next to this one? Well, first off, I think Liverpool will win this against Crystal Palace. I saw how Man City came back against Arsenal and there was a lot of talk that, you know, might be a good time to play Man City, eyes off the ball, etc. But the depth they've got in this side, yes, I know both teams picked up a couple of injuries, but City looked sensational. They looked like they hadn't missed a step uh, when they came back. Large part of their passing play was excellent. They made Arsenal and indeed Lava Luis look slapstick almost in part. I don't think they're going to have too much trouble uh, with Burnley uh, this weekend or whenever the match is. Um, Liverpool winning against Crystal Palace would be a nice bit of symmetry given that it's sort of largely considered that that Crystal Palace game as much as the this does not slip is what led to them uh, failing to win the title under Brendan Rodgers. So I think there would be a slight element of satisfaction for Liverpool fans in sort of closing that particular poetic loop in their history. However, do I think Liverpool fans will be bothered? Not outwardly. I think if I was in that situation, it would not visibly bother me one jot. I would be praying that we won it again next season so we could have a proper in the stadium, that actual moment of of getting it. Because if you think about... 
how long it's been for Liverpool and how desperate they are to be at that level in English football again, how much it means to them as a fan base, how much it ties in with the history of the club, everything like that. The Aguero moment. You deserve that as a football fan. That's what you go for. You go for this either improbable or inevitable just expelling of relief on behalf of you and the thousands of other people in the stadium or the dozens of other people in the pub or whatever. You go for that particular mm. moment when the whistle is blown or when the goal is scored. And yes, not take nothing away from this. This is arguably the most exciting to watch, the most dangerous English footballing side we've seen in a generation. Some people would argue even ever. It'll not take away anything from the accomplishment, especially all the records they could still break in the process of doing it. However, it will be clouded just ever so slightly for Liverpool fans to be denied that that moment, that moment in the stadium, that moment with their friends, the, the reason why you put up with all the rubbish in football. To not get that, it won't sour it slightly, but it, it will be something that, for as much as they've had to work this hard this season to end the, the cloud hanging over them over how long it's been since they've won the league, I think next season's main objective is to get rid of the cloud hanging over them for not having won the league in a setting where their fans could really celebrate it. Yeah, I, I, it feels like a lifetime ago, but I still remember like walking home from the office with Ewan in sort of January, February time and him talking about how any home game tickets for Liverpool were like gold dust towards mm. the end of the season because we all see where it's heading and uh, the amount of Liverpool fans he knew who had like season tickets for the final game of the season who were being offered inordinate amounts of money for those tickets, of course. Uh, a very different time now. Uh, it's, of course, Everton versus Liverpool, the Merseyside derby on Sunday. Normally with these sorts of things, you say, oh, well, the form book goes out the window. But there's no form to speak of here. But like you say, Liverpool, not only in, in wanting to continue what they've done so far this season and obviously win the title as soon as possible, but will no doubt want to continue, especially being, without, being out of the Champions League now, to break some of Man City's records from 2017-18. Uh, we've got to remember as well that when you say the form book goes out the window in the Merseyside derby, the form book is that Everton just don't ever beat Liverpool in these <laughs> games. Their, do their dominance in this fixture is so one-sided. Like the head-to-head -head record is astonished. Like, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this wrong, so apologies to Liverpool and Everton fans. But I think the last time Everton beat Liverpool in any competition was 2010. I think I'm right in saying that. I think it was in 2010. Might just be the Premier League, but the, the dominance in this fixture is absurd. So it's not even a case of the form book going out the window. You're literally throwing a decade's worth of history out the window to try and suggest that Everton could get a result. Everton have been hit and miss this year. Uh, the like the Coleman stuff we came in wasn't particularly great. A lot of the signings have been on and off the boil. They've made a couple of good moves, a couple of bad here. Richarlison's been patchy in form. There's just been... There's not a lot really going for Everton to suggest they can upset the party here. But again, this is the Premier League. And if there's one thing it loves, it's a hilarious narrative. Like the first game back after 100 days being a nil-nil with a goal incorrectly ruled out. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't. I hate, I hate being completely black and white in football. No pun intended. But I just think Liverpool would expect to have way too much for Everton. Liverpool would have to be coming back from this break really, really off the... Off the races? Not at the races. That's mm. it. For, I, for Everton to get something. I was so desperate sort of, for sort of football content. I saw Sky Sports Football on YouTube uh, at one point during this, this lockdown 
put up a video all about underachieving players this season. And Gilfie Sigurdsson was one of them where they basically yeah. just went, he's been crap, hasn't he? Alongside, you know, like Felipe Anderson, for example, at West Ham. Uh, score prediction for the Merseyside derby? 3-0 Liverpool, I would say. Um, yeah. Again, it's another one you can never rule out because it is a derby. But as I've said, the dominance in this fixture is... I'll put it this way. Liverpool have dominated this match with much worse teams and they've dominated much better Everton teams in the process. The golfing class between the two of them now is astonishing. But this is football. Anything can happen, etc., etc. But however, I don't see this being particularly too much trouble for Liverpool. Uh, tonight is, of course, Spurs versus Manchester United. Uh, Man United currently sitting fifth. I think, in the uh, in the Premier League right now, which obviously would guarantee them a Champions League spot with Man City not being in the competition next year. Will Man United make the Champions League? And how do you see Spurs' season turning around? Would this break arguably have helped them a little bit? I would say for all the break will have helped Spurs because I think Mourinho very publicly said he didn't have enough time with the players. That's why you couldn't go for a walk in London during lockdown without bumping into Spurs having a secret training session. I think for as much as it's going to help them, this is probably... I don't think you'd, str you'd struggle to find a team who would slightly to hurt more than Manchester United. They were on a really, really good run prior to all this um, happening. Bruno Fernandes looked like an inspired piece of business. It was talk about him being in the team of the seasons by only playing something like five or six games <laughs> after he arrived. Um, the thing about Solskjaer is he is very good at putting together momentum. Um, when he gets players in a bit of form or when he gets on a bit of a run, he can build these things into you know, getting his team playing above themselves. And on the contrary, when he's in a bit of a bad run of form, he does kind of struggle to uh, get his teams out of that. So I think they'll have been really disappointed by the season um, uh, being postponed. And I think coming back in against Spurs, and we all know, you know, the, the history there. Man United Tottenham's obviously got enough stories as it is without adding Jose Mourinho into, into the equation. I think this will be a very, very testing challenge um, for Manchester United. I think... Mourinho knowing for 100 days that when he finally gets back in the dugout, it's going to be against a side, you know, his legacy with which is probably not what he considers all that fair. He will have been of thinking and of scheming and of plotting and of planning so many different things for this match. So if a <laughs> housery is your bag, I think there could be a lot of it here. Yeah, I genuinely think this could be the game of the weekend, not to jinx it too much, despite the fact we obviously have the Merseyside derby. Just the unpredictability of it all, not just the fact, obviously, these two teams have been away for so long, but it's Spurs, Man United. I mean, when you, I was going to ask you for a score prediction, but, I mean, just pluck two numbers out of the air for this one. Well, I will pluck two numbers out of the air for you. I'll pluck the numbers one and the numbers nil out of the air for you. Ah. Because like, this, this is going to be a Mourinho masterclass in game spoiling and winding up the opposition. And I think it'll be settled by, by the odd goal in one. <laughs> um, and in terms of the, the overall question regarding Man United in the Champions League, obviously you've got Wolves, you've got Sheffield United in around there. And obviously if a result for Tottenham here would arguably put them back in the race. Do you see Man United being one of the four teams alongside you know your Leicesters, your, uh, your Chelsea's and your, your Liverpool's? Realistically, with Man City, provided because we await the results of all of this, there is talk about perhaps the uh, the punishment will be, you know, there'll be an agreement made, perhaps Man City will only be one year, but it looks almost certain they won't be in the Champions League next year. But it also looks equally as certain that nobody's going to get anywhere near them for second. There's no danger of them really dropping out of this top five, which means you've got Leicester, Chelsea, Man United, Sheffield United, Wolves, Tottenham and Arsenal all sharing, I think... 
five points between Man United and Arsenal, eight if you include Chelsea, who are in fourth currently. So I would think Tottenham's form and Arsenal's form, they are the furthest down in all this. They're the outsiders, but obviously with higher expectations. Wolves can put a good run together. They've been a really good side this year. Sheffield United, people have constantly underestimated. Um, nobody's got a particularly kind run of fixtures. So genuinely, it's put a name out of a hat. I could see Arsenal... I, genuinely, I was convinced Arsenal might actually be a good outside shout for this because of the way Arteta had them playing uh, heading into the break. But watching how just limply they folded against Manchester City, how little they actually offered uh, against them kind of dissuaded me from there. I think the winner of Man United Tottenham should probably be considered favourite for that. Um, I just, I don't know. It's just the, the top four is such an interesting proposition at the minute. Uh, I would like to say I had any idea which way it was going to go. I would love it to be a Wolves or a Sheffield United just to really mix things up and make it a bit interesting. It'd be nice to see if a team with the, the spending power and the resources of Manchester City dropping out of that competition enables a side who should never in a million years be able to get up there to get in. That would be, I think, the best result for the neutral. But of course, if you say you're neutral, you're incredibly boring. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I could e- the, the run of games that Wolves have got, I could easily see them sneaking into there if, if people start dropping points. I can't wait to get back into the What Culture office for a variety of different reasons. But also, I'll swear around my desk, I have our predictions to the league table somewhere. And I'm fascinated to see how close we got this one. Uh, I'm certain I said Sheffield United were going down. I think a lot of people did. They didn't invest much in the summer. There was a lot of sort of, I think even I include myself in this, there was a lot of sort of sneeringness over this you know, revolutionary strategy they had in the championship. Was like, well, you're not going to get away with overlapping centre-backs down the wing in the Premier League. Teams will exploit that. But we've seen a couple of times, a lot of teams, if you look at Aston Villa as a great example of this, teams come up and they go, right, we need to buy Premier League quality players no matter how much they cost or where we get them from. And they get thrown in and they don't really quite work. There's no chemistry there. They don't gel very well. And then occasionally you get teams coming up, Burnley in previous seasons, Bournemouth in other seasons, Sheffield United this year, where they've come up with a very settled side who know how to play, who are organised, who are dependable, who don't need to be folded into a team or to a system or anything like that. And they do exceed expectations. Um, Even going back to Newcastle's uh, promotion under Rafa Benitez, like they weren't allowed to spend any money coming up. And he managed to organise this team of largely championship players, largely players he had bought specifically for the championship, into 10th place by the end of the season. So... There's a lot to be said about teams who have a clear system, have a clear philosophy in mind. And if there's one thing you can say about Chris Wilder, Sheffield United, it's that they do have a very clear philosophy in mind. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I want to talk to you a little bit about the teams around the relegation zone in due course, uh, which means we'll talk about Aston Villa. But I also want to talk about who they're facing on Sunday. Chelsea, uh, of course, revealing the signing of Timo Werner this week. Could Chelsea be title contenders next year? The idea behind buying Timo Werner is that they want to be considered title challengers next year. Um, For all, you know, when Lampard came in, the talk was that he was the perfect appointment because they weren't going to be able to spend a lot of money. There was going to be these transfer bans imposed on them. They really need to start making use of all the players they had out on loan. And I think you would struggle to argue he hasn't been a huge success in that regard. Tammy Abraham wasn't pulling up trees. His performances were very good, but he wasn't exactly pulling up trees at Swansea and at the sort of loan clubs. He looks fantastic, although there is currently still... Well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, the other players that have come in, uh, Tamori's been really good. Mount's been really good. They've not exactly struggled... Um, to add and improve this squad, despite a very bad start in the season against Manchester United. Um, but in order to be challenging at the top, they need to go to the next level with this. And someone like Timo Werner, who is so highly rated across all of Europe, Europe's leagues and was supposed to be going to Liverpool, if you remember, is a real sort of, that's a real flag planted in the sand that like, yeah, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea's back, baby. We can go get whoever we want and we can fold them in with all these existing players. And, Genuinely, it's Zayech, isn't it? And Ajax, they're also looking at bringing in. Mm. So look at the the options Chelsea have across that sort of front line now. You know, Pulisic uh, has you know, come into the side this season. Mount's obviously been exceptional in generating assists. Abraham scored a lot of goals. If they bring, they are bringing Werner in. He adds to that. Ziyech is fantastic. Although people seem to be talking about this very young Chelsea side, forgetting the Ziyech is like, I think, the wrong side of 25 now, if, if such a thing exists. Um uh, Pedro and or Willian, one of them is apparently still going to be at the club if the other one leaves. There's a lot, a lot of firepower in that Chelsea side now. And if Lampard can, you know, build on what he's done this season, they absolutely should be considered title challengers. Uh, they're a fascinating side to watch, if nothing else. But what I will say is, on the point of Abraham, Werner coming in feels to me as much about protecting um, their goal-scoring threat because Abraham hasn't signed this new contract. All these young players who kind of got built into the side this year, they've all signed new deals, new long-term deals that are going to keep them there. Abraham, apparently, last time I read up on this, still hasn't signed a new contract. So as much as him coming in and Werner being there is a daunting prospect, it could be a case that it's only one of them there at the start of the season. Um, They've got Villa, as I said, on Sunday. I, I sense that uh, Chelsea, like you say, are going to kind of try and put down a marker in this one. But Villa got a decent point, deserved or not, against Sheffield United it is on a decent Wednesday. Point. It is a decent I mean, deserved or not, it is absolutely a decent point. Any point when you're, you know, with your two points from safety, any point is a very good point. This is on the last day of the season. Um, the problem is right now at the bottom, I think if you go maybe Brighton have got a bit too much, although again, it's only two points for them. West Ham, Watford, Bournemouth, Villa and Norwich, they've all got tough games. They've all got a lot of games, not just against the teams around them, but against teams much higher up in the league. They've not got any sort of comfortable home gimmies. Uh, everything's either got a massive disparity in terms of ability or huge 
implications for the winning and losing side. So, uh, genuinely, uh, with even I know the break's been crazy and there is still ten games to go, but I don't can't remember the last time we've had such an open relegation and such an open top four run. Uh, it mm. could be, although be a bit weird with no crowd and all the circumstances going on. It could be an incredible end of the season. Mm. Uh, you are a Newcastle United fan, of course, Adam Cleary. I am, yes. Sorry. Uh, you have experience of relegation battles. Yes, uh, yes. How can teams down there avoid the drop? What strategy or, or what what things do those teams need to do to, to survive in the Premier League? Well, I'm a bad person to ask about this because when it comes to survival in terms of a Premier League side, normally what you look at is a team that should be down there trying to play above themselves, trying to find what it was that got them up last season, trying to find the the thing that can occasionally win them a match and exploit that as best they can. Whereas the two... Well, there's four particular seasons with Newcastle, two of which they went down and two of which uh, they managed to stay up. And all four of those times, you were looking at a football team that should have been nowhere near the relegation zone. The first time, they were far too good to go down. Michael Owen was still playing for them. Keegan had been in charge just at the start of the season. They were pushing for Europe, allegedly. Um, and then they went down. And then after they spent a load of money bringing in a couple of new players, the French Revolution, they just about stayed up by the skin of their teeth thanks to Loic Remy scoring a couple of goals and um, Queen's Park Rangers having an absolute disaster uh, to keep us up. Then there was the Gutierrez one where he saved it in the last game of the season. That was great. And then, well, they just went down anyway after spending something like £90 million that summer under Steve McLaren. So I'm not the right person to talk to you about this because I've never seen a team dig in and stay up. I've only seen a team who should never have been anywhere near there in the first place actually pull their finger out right at the last or just slip off the face of the earth together. So I don't know. I can't give you any advice if you're a Norwich fan, probably <laughs> because there's no hope for you. I can't give you any advice if you're an Aston Villa fan, Bournemouth fan, a Watford fan, West Ham. Well, can't give a West Ham fan some advice. Abandon hope. If you're down <laughs> there after you've spent that much money and your team's that good, there's a very good reason for it. It would be catastrophic to see West Ham go down from a West Ham fan perspective. Um, so they're going to want to hope that's not the case. But I've, I said it in an earlier podcast this week, Bournemouth, I think, is the team I worry about the most here. Um, I don't think they've got enough goals on that side. Solanke hasn't been the the, the catalyst for a, a, an improved uh, run of run of performances that they hoped he was going to be. And I just, I worry for them because they're a good side. They play football a good way. They've not overspent. They've, they've kept that core identity, which normally does you so well. I just, I worry for Bournemouth. Uh, we mentioned before, uh, it's three from six, as you said there. If you had to put money on a team you feel will stay up, uh, Villa, Norwich, Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham, Brighton, who would you go for? Genuine for me, I think this comes... I think Bournemouth, despite having the point on uh, Villa, seem to be in a bit more trouble because Villa have... They've got a bit of an X factor in there. Like, McGinn is capable of pulling something out of the hat for them. Uh, Grealish is capable of pulling something out of the hat for them. Their strikers are so hit and miss. There is a possibility they could just find a bit of form towards the end of the season, whereas Bournemouth feel like they are playing at their level and they are just about keeping their head above water. And with the Ryan Fraser stuff, I don't see who's going to pull them out of it. Callum Wilson's obviously a, a great centre-forward, but is that going to be enough? I don't know. So for me, I think Bournemouth are in trouble. I think this comes down to Villa and Watford. Um and Watford are capable of such capitulations at the minute. They seem once they get on the back foot, they really struggle to, to pull themselves out of it. And there's, there's only a point between the two of them at the minute. Uh, so I don't know. I think Brighton maybe have enough about them, but they're another side who have started trying to fold in these more expensive, more 
sought after Premier League players and not really quite done it. Um, I forget the name of the lad up front, but he's really done nothing since Chris Hutton got him in for 15 million. The Dutch player, I forget his name, Lakeda. That's it. I remembered it. Um, so I think it come, for me, it comes down to, to Watford and Aston Villa. However, if I was a West Ham fan, those first couple of games, those first couple of performances are so crucial because if they don't get any points on the board for those first few games and there's a win for a Bournemouth, there's a win for an Aston Villa, there's a win for a Watford, they are deep in trouble. It's a huge Saturday, I've just sort of realised, uh, down in the bottom. Every single one of the teams playing on Saturday is in the bottom six and are playing at home. Watford, Leicester City, Brighton, Arsenal, arguably never a better time to play Arsenal than right now. West Ham versus Wolves and Bournemouth versus Crystal Palace. It's going to be an absolutely fascinating Saturday. This is the thing. This is the thing. Uh, this is, there, are no, there are no positives to take from the global bastard. However, some of the things that have come out for it, you can take some little bits of delight in them. And the fact that now football is structured as it would be on a World Cup Saturday afternoon. I'm going to get to watch Watford fight for their lives at 12.30. I'm going to get to watch Brighton fight for their lives at 3. I'm going to watch West Ham fight for their lives at 5.30. I'm going to watch Bournemouth fight for their lives at quarter to eight. I cannot wait, my yes. friend. Every None of this, all four teams playing at the same time. Let's jump between them a match of the day. Every single team knows what's expected of them. And as the day goes on, regardless of what the results are, the pressure mounts. Because if the teams before you win... You need to win. And if they don't win, you've got a great opportunity to save yourself. So this is a fascinating, fascinating Saturday. Yes, get the beers in for that. Very quickly, Newcastle, Chef United, how do you see that one going? Nil-nil. Nil-nil, <laughs> and I'd be happy to take it, to be completely honest with you. Um, Sheffield United, for all they should have won that game against Villa, didn't offer a whole lot. Mm. You know, the, the primary route to goal seemed to be the fact that they didn't they didn't think the Villa goalkeeper could handle any crosses into the box, which was, of course, led to the goal, which was discounted. They're a side who, despite being very good, and their away record, by the way, is stupendous. They've only been beaten off Man City and Liverpool, I think I'm correct in saying. Um, their away record is stupendous after the John Joe Shelby VAR stuff. They're almost certainly going to want to try and do something in this game, but they specialise in draws. They don't do a whole lot away from home in terms of scoring. And Newcastle are also one of the worst scorers in the entire league as well. So this would not surprise me if it was a rudimentary nil-nil, but also it would not disappoint me. Mm. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the first Premier League weekend in absolutely bloody ages uh, in the comment section below. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. Uh, and you let us know your thoughts on Twitter as well, at WhatCultureFC, where you can follow both me and Adam Cleary. Where can people get you, Cleary? At Adam Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all, as I said, at What Culture FC. And if you want daily football podcasts, just search for What Culture Football wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to review everything that happened. And Adam Cleary, hopefully update, update people on the What Culture Fantasy Football League where things look, have got very interesting. Look, I'm not going to say anything at this stage because I've only played two games since we've been back. However... I will, I will say that, that was an incredibly nice 130-point lead you had at the top, and it would be a shame if somebody cut it in half. We'll leave it there. I can't wait for this. We need. To, I'm going to get you and on on Monday <laughs> so you can say that to his face. What are you going to say back to me, do you think? This does not slip. Yeah, something along those lines. Right, this has been the Premier League preview. My thanks, Adam Cleary. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 